summer and fall yeah like don't even fit anymore and so um i'm just like i don't know what to do i feel like we're in that you know in the south we're in that fake spring march you know where right. it's kind of like it, it'll be might get up to 70 today but on the, the morning it's kind of cooler and so yeah, I think you might be safe for a couple more weeks. That, that's what I'm thinking, but like, but also I don't have shoes either. Like all my sandals, I can't wear because my feet have shrunk since my weight loss as well. There you go. You heard it here first. Your feet shrink when you lose a lot of weight. That's right. <laughs> like, yeah. like what were you? What were you before? Like what was your um, size before? Nine, nine and a half. And now you're a seven and a half. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> All right, all right. So apparently, she lost over a hundred pounds and a couple inches in her feet. Apparently, you know, and now it's just kind of frustrating, you know. Yes, yes. My father-in-law would say you, you did have more understanding. Under understanding. Bad dad <laughs> but, joke. Bad dad joke. All right, <laughs> all right. Tonight, today we are talking about. Uh, it's an article by Carl Bader. Bader is is, is great on speaking to like a smaller church setting i mm. mean i think for the most part that's that's his that's his goal because i think a lot of that describes a lot of churches around i know a majority of the southern baptist convention is that and i, I think a lot of other conventions uh or denominations see that that same thing but he he had an article what's the church must rely on when the road ahead is uncertain i think what's crazy is this was written um in January, and it's even more crazier now. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We've got uh, and and definitely like before we get into this, our our prayers and and hearts are with those people of Ukraine as as they're fighting uh, a war. I don't think they saw. I really don't think they saw that coming. So uh, so just pray for them, and and we'll do the same. And yeah, back to the one that. When the road ahead, I don't think there's ever been a time in the church's history, well, maybe maybe that's a broad statement, but, <laughs> uh, but I don't think there's been a time, at least in the last hundred years, as uncertain as where we are right now. Yeah, I do agree, because like, we're just like, um, not only is like the craziness in the world of wars and pandemics and all of that, but just in the church, like it's like a battle to keep people's attention. Oh yeah. To um, get them from just a shallow faith to deeper faith, to keep them just coming to church in general when there's like so many things like um, to keep them away, but also like um, people just listening to filth thinking that it's correct, you know, of like, yeah false teaching then also like there's this whole like deconstruction movement of like oh the bible says this but it really didn't mean this and this is you know it it's honestly to me we that's a whole nother subject but like that i see so many people doing i'm on tiktok and like it's um 
so many. I'm deconstructing from Christianity. And, like, um, and they, like, put it as um, getting away from church politics. But that's just not it. It's also just, um, here's an excuse for me to sin because this is, you know. Yeah. And so it's just, like, there's so many things out there vying for our attention or, like, making us, like, go this route of, like, everyone else in the church culture is doing this, so I'm going to also do this, and there's no reason. It's just sad. It's just sad to look out and see all that. Yeah, I remember, uh, this has been, like, several years ago. I'm talking about, like, 20 years ago. I remember a church who had to dissolve their college age Sunday school class because they were going out and partying and, and really just kind of even the Sunday school teacher they were just mm. ruining like the, the church's name they, they looked wow. nothing like like cr- resembling Christ and right. what they were doing so they just had to dissolve that class and that I mean in, in church world you never you never dissolve Sunday school you never right. get rid of Sunday school classes you add them so you're, I mean, that, that's, that's a big deal. But <clears throat> right now, I think the, the weird thing, let me just add this before we get into this article. Like, uh, the weird thing about this is like different areas are experiencing different things right now. I mean, you can't speak like, I would say like two or three years ago, I would, I think I could speak for a majority of the country. Now I don't even know where right. they are, right? Depending on how open they are. What supplies change? I remember, you know, remember the uh, the great toilet paper shortage of when it was, was that 20, 2019 no, or 2020? 2020, and and I remember commenting on that after we had uh, the supply had picked up around here. I said something about it, and, and they said, "Well, that's kind of." Ins-. Somebody told me to say, "Well, that's kind of insensitive," uh, and because they were still dealing with that, we were mm. through that, and I think. Parts of this country are still closed, and it seems like we're back to being as open as we possibly can right, right now. So it's it's just a weird, 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 uh, weird time in our in our nation. So I'm I'm interested to get into this and and see what mm-hmm. Carvaders has to say about uh, how to navigate uncertainty. Yeah. So he started, the first sentence is we live in the greatest time of global uncertainty since World War II. How big a facts yeah. is that? Um, every time we think we can see the end of a tunnel, it's just another curve in the road. It's like plot twist. Like, I yeah. love reading. I am um, back reading uh, the last book in a book series that I started in the summer, and then I um, just stopped reading, and I'm finally, like, trying to finish the book. And I'm telling you, this this book reminds me a lot of, like, what's going on, like, just in the world right now of, like, um, the book is dealing with like um, this fictional war in these fictional countries and I'm just like dang it I feel like it's honestly like what's happening in the book is happening in here but it's just like every chapter is another plot twist yeah. that you didn't see coming right. and I feel like dang this is <laughs> exactly so what's close, right? so close um, but in times of uncertainty adaptability is better than goal setting and even more than that one truth has stood out strong and tall for me lately Better systems won't get us through. Only better relationships will. Wow. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's that's tough for a lot of a lot of churches. Not that we don't want that, but 
I think too many times we pass the buck to like somebody else to build those relationships and not us. Yeah, and I will I will dare say that the church looks more like the world today. There's no there's no dividing line. And with that being said, the church is more divided than ever. Not only with the denomination divides, but there's divides within the denominations. Oh, yeah. Like the same denominations. Like and there's like rumor of like, oh, this this denomination's about to split. Oh, we can't agree. Like we it it's crazy. And so we the church is looking less like what the church is supposed to be every day. Right. And it's uh what I think it was uh Andy Stanley, I think he said like the church was meant to be like the the government's moral compass and we've we've lost that. We've mm-hmm. we won't jump on political bandwagons and fight the right. way they're fighting and what they're fighting and not mm-hmm. not fight for Jesus, not fight for morality, not point point them to the way that that is right. Because I don't care what they said. You know, I grew up uh, in school said, you, you can't legislate morality. Well, yeah, you can. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't do anything I want to. I have, and I have, a, there's a certain amount of things that are accepted, things that aren't accepted. So we're legislating morality all the time. And the, and the church has lost its footing and power and pulpit. Exactly. To do that. Exactly. Better relationships. No one has done this before. There's not a person alive who's led their family, their congregation, or their country through the process of coming out of a worldwide pandemic or staying in it for who knows how much longer. Because this is all new, no one has systems in place that are up to the task. Certainly, we need better systems. They're essentially they're essential if we want to be proactive instead of reactive. But they're less helpful now than they've ever been. And goal setting? Okay, how did our 2020 vision statement turn out? Sure. We should still set goals and use good systems, but most goals are better for motivation than expectation. In those well-designed systems, often they're little more than coping mechanisms. Don't lean too heavily on them for actual answers to real-life issues. I think this next part is super crucial to this whole article. Okay. It says, in times of upheaval, we have only one thing we can rely on, our relationships with Jesus and with each other. And in this, the church must lead better than we've been doing. With all the horror, sadness, and loss we've seen recently, nothing grieves God's heart more than seeing his church wallowing in conflict when we desperately need greater unity. Right. Absolutely. Man. But I think that's, I think that's so important. And I think that's what, um, like, not only our relationship with Jesus, but with each other, like I was saying, like, we are desperate for greater unity. But also we live in a culture where it, well, one, we spend a year um, quarantining and in isolation from each other for the most part, you know. I mean, like, we were here at the office every day and, you know, like, we had the our small little group that would meet, like, when we had to shut down. Um, but, like, you couldn't, and, and so we had to do things through social media. And social media, like we've talked about before, has been great but in this aspect it has um we would rather talk to each other through the internet or text message or call or whatever than in person nowadays or like just to 
honestly, to check up on each other. Like, we just don't do that. We don't invest in relationships. Yeah, I think it's... It, <laughs> I think it's become easier and easier to be critical of people. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I, I think there's... There's constructive criticism and there's slander. Yeah. And you need to figure out where that line is really fast because it's too easy to tweet out something or, or I, I'm seeing like denominational politics played out on Twitter and almost judged and adjudicated right there online right. before it ever gets to a meaning where it's to be taken care of and people are it, it, it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> on one hand, it does give accountability, but on the other, but you're, what you've lost. We're losing our witness in that. And we're losing our intimacy with each other. Yeah. Because it's very easy to cast stones at somebody else. Right. Uh, we were, we were, um, I was in a meeting recently, and they said it's easier to turn down, like, and it, an announcement from the pulpit than it is for them to turn down you face to face. So yeah. it's easier for someone to say, okay, uh, yeah, Eliza just made an announcement about working in the nursery, but I'm just going to slink out the back door before anybody sees me. Right. But if she comes to our face, it's harder for her to turn, me to turn her down. And so it's, I think that's what social media does. It, it gives you that easy out. I don't have to see them. I can throw something at them. Yeah. It doesn't have to be true. It's just... And then I don't have to have accountability. Right. Yeah. Um, so, we must love God and love others. Jesus never told us to build better systems, processes, or method, methods. Jesus told us to love God and love one another. And he especially told us to love the poor, the hurting, and the vulnerable. If we want our families, congregations, communities, countries, and governments to learn the lessons of this time and not just recover... But thrive in the decades to come. We must start where everything better always starts with healthier relationships. That's yeah, so true. And so now more than ever, leaders in the church need to lean not on our education or our experience or even our ability to adapt to better procedures, what the Bible refers to as our own understanding. We need to strengthen our spiritual and emotional core. If ever there was a time when we need to draw closer to Jesus, it is now. Let us not repeat the tragic mistake of the church in Ephesus that started strong, then lost their first love, um, mentioned in um, Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Fall in love with Jesus again, then fall in love with this church again too. Put prayer before process, family before work, repentance and reconciliation before methodology, and love above all. When all else fails, the long, slow, but always reliable process of restoring and nurturing those relationships is what will get us through. Stronger, healthier, together. Man, I think another problem is we we fail on repentance and reconciliation. Oh, yeah. We get mad and we leave the church. Mm-hmm. But then you go to a church and do you think that that's going to be a perfect church too? Or you're not going to have problems right. with people there either? It's a heart problem. Well, one, it goes back to we need to love Jesus. And when we love Jesus, first and foremost... Then we love others how, you know, he has called us to love. And, like, I mean, there's so many, like, oh, I'm mad at her. So I'm not going to go to her, like Jesus says, and, like, 
Um, but I'm just going to leave. And it's just better for me to leave. That, that irritates the mess out of me. Well, it should. Because, I mean, it's, it's biblical to do that. But when you try to ask people to do it, it's, it's a great thing to amen or say, yes, that's right in church. But when to put it into practice, that's a whole another level, you know. Right. And we tend to, I think we, as, I'm going to speak as Southerners, right? I was born in Mississippi, but I've served in Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama. I think we think it's more polite to not say anything at all, rather than lovingly confront right. our, our problems and our, <clears throat> and I'm not saying go, go to, um, if I've got a problem with you, to go to you and, and give you a piece of my mind. Now, I'm not talking about a piece of your mind. I'm saying go to you and say, look, this really offended me when you said this, and work it out biblically, face to face. Right. You gotta have when you when you take out love, what do you replace that with? Yeah. Attitude. It, it and I think we 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 value like maybe our the way we've always done it first more than the way we Jesus told us to handle. And I think like you're not even thinking you're like, um, oh it's, it's not just hurting you or that person because most of the time that person might not even know that they've offended you or whatever. Right. But you're hurting a whole group of people, honestly. You're hurting your small group, your church, whatever ministry you serve in. You're hurting all those. Right. By not having a spirit of reconciliation, but also removing yourself as well. Like it just, I just don't understand it. And I've watched it unfold so many times and I just want to be like if y'all would just talk if you would just do what the Bible says and like and that's when we let our own understanding our own way our own will get in the way well that's when you as a um, if we have a leader listening to this podcast and I hope we do if, if you're a leader listening to this podcast even if you're just a mature Christian you need to be pointing people toward the Bible and not away from it. A lot of people are looking for someone to listen to and okay it, and they want to wander you. And you can will you direct them to the right way, the right place? Mm -hmm. And and don't be a don't be a, a listening station for them. Don't be an ear for them. Politely hear them, but but listen. But don't let them walk away before you say, "Look, you need to go." And mm -hmm. and talk it out with that person. You need to, you need to go approach them about it, and uh, and and you know tell them how you feel, because, I mean we haven't even mentioned bitterness. What what that right. does, like because if you sit there and you have bitterness towards somebody, and and I heard someone describe this like a couple weeks ago, they said bitter harboring bitterness in your life or sowing a seed of bitterness in your life is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Yeah. And I think that's what they do. Bitterness is like, oh gosh, I'm so mad. I mean, one day my, they're going to feel my madness and just kill over, right? I mean, one day they're going to understand. And I'm not talking about physical violence. I'm just thinking, oh my God, I I'm I I'm gave them some stares today. You know, they stared a hole in them or did, or did, did something, did attitude or even worse. 
because I can be, let's, I can be someone legitimately offends me, legitimately does something against me. I don't go and talk to them, but I'm willing to talk to somebody else. Now I'm into gossip and slander. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm only hurting myself. Bitterness is only hurting yourself. You're sowing a seed that you, that you don't want to water, you don't want to fertilize, and you don't want it to grow. Right, and I just feel like you're playing right into the enemy's hands. Oh, yeah. And, like, you, you think you're doing what is best when you were literally, like, like I said, you were not only yourself, like, I don't want to use the word killing, but killing, like, yourself. You're killing relationships. You're killing um, just so many things that, like, the Lord wants to, like, use you and, like, you know, like, we're called, like, to bear fruit, but if you were allowing yourself to um, divide or ostracize yourself or, or not, honestly, just not following what the Bible says, you're not going to be, you're stunting your spiritual growth. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, can I, let me read, because he mentioned, like, Revelations 2, 1 through 7. Yeah. Okay, and it says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. Okay, the first one, you know, he's talking about, it's a letter to the church, addresses them. And then this, and all these churches, in Reve the seven churches in Revelation, it gives like characteristics of, of Jesus. And so that's part of the characteristics of Jesus. I tend to think that the those characteristics uh are what that church needs. So verse 2 says, I know your deeds and your labor and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil people and you have put those who call themselves apostles to the test and they are not and you have found them to be false and you have perseverance and have endured on account of my name and have not become weary. Oh, that's great so far. I mean, it sounds awesome. I mean, if we if you stopped right there, you'd be, you'd be gold. But then he goes to verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But you have this, that you hate the deeds of the, the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who overcomes. I have... I will grant to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Mm. And so this is, um, and it talks about the church. And I want you to think of this too, because, I mean, it talks about the church and we think, okay, that he's talking to this big organization. But what is the church? Okay, wh what exactly is the, is the church a building? No. It's not the building. It's, it's the people of oh. God in mm -hmm. the building. And so when he talks to these when he says to the church, he's talking to those people there. And so this could very easily be us today. Have right. we left our first love? Or were you, have you ever been more in love with Jesus than you are today? Yeah. Have you ever spent more time with him? Have you ever read the Bible more than you do today? Man, I think we need a, a restoration of intimacy with God. Yeah, because once you have that, everything else is going to fall into place and like line up. Yeah. And you're going to be able to love others, those outside the walls of the church and those inside the walls of the church. Um, and you're going to be able to go, it says, um, he told us to love the poor, the hurting, and the vulnerable. And that can literally mean those that need 
to hear the good news and those that already know, you know, and just to be there. And, um, and I think so many, especially with small churches, we wonder, why aren't we growing? Why aren't we doing this? Well, you got to look on the inside. You like, we've talked about in the past few weeks, you got to like, look at your own stuff, like what needs to change. And why would you want somebody to come into a gossiping church, a divided church? Absolutely. Um, so you got to look and you got to mend Men fences. Men don't be divided over music. Don't be divided. Don't let there be like a service war if you got like two different services going on. Like that is not how right. the Lord wants. I mean, it's okay, you know. Like sometimes, like like at our church, we have like the traditional contemporary. That's okay, but we are still a church. It's not two separate churches going on. Right. Um, and so like you may be like, or even if like you have like multiple services and it's the same thing but like you you still have to be a together church you again you got to look if you're not loving each other if you're not loving the lord don't expect the lord to bless your congregation exactly and i don't think that the uh i've been in a church before i've been a part of the church that was man i don't want to invite anybody to the church right. we are so dysfunctional right now we are not, I, I say this word, this phrase, like, we're not fit for human consumption. We're not, we don't really need anyone to come in and visit. We don't need a, a, a new member. What we need is, is counseling. You know, what we, what we need is like marriage counseling, you know, with, within the body. You know, we need uh, mm -hmm. to fix who we are. So dysfunctional. And, and so I think that comes from, not spending enough time on our knees, not right. spending enough time with Jesus, not not loving your fellow church members as and treating them like family. Right. Like I, as a church leader, and I know that you have seen it too, where you have seen somebody before service cut somebody down, go into service, hands lifted high. Mm. Wow. Like... I'm just like, and I'm seeing this play out, and I'm just like, mm, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> that just, that ain't right. That ain't gonna work. Uh, Have you ever seen one church member hide from another one? Yes, yes. I'm just like that. That's craziness. I'm telling you, a dysfunctional church and a country club church oh. is a dying church. Oh yeah. And that should, that should awaken something in you that should I don't know I don't want to use the word scare you but I can't think of another word but that should um, concern you that's what right. it concern you yeah and everybody needs to feel welcome everybody needs to feel loved church needs to be a place where anyone can come I, you said uh, you described the college and career to me like last week, you talked. You said that we're a bunch of. Say that again. Oh, we're like a bunch of outcasts. Outcasts, right? That welcome outcasts. We're like, you don't have a place to go. We'll be your people. We'll be your people, right? And so that's like the. Um, that's the way a, a church should be a place where anybody is welcome, no matter who you are, mm -hmm. uh, no matter what. Outside the church, they think of you. You can find a place here. Right. This is this is God's house, and there's always unlocked doors, That's open right. hearts, and people willing to accept you. Yeah. 
And I think we're getting there. I think we're revival last week was, mm-hmm. I think, key for us. I, and I hope and pray that that was a turning point. I hope so. Too. And not just a blip on the screen. Right. You know, right. If it's just a blip on the screen, we got other concerns. It's still, it still, it literally just goes back to we have to fall in love with Jesus again. That loving Jesus, then loving the people he's put in your life, literally truly matters. And like, and I hate to go back, but that is what the church must rely on. That like, if you get those two things right, you should be golden, you know? Yeah. So make sure you're, I think those bullet points he mentioned at the end, like put prayer before process. Make sure you're a praying Christian. Okay, and family before work. So that's putting relationships before doing, and then repentance and reconciliation before methodology. Mm. So make sure you have, you are open in your relationship. You're not harboring any bitterness toward anybody. And work on loving God and loving his people will be a second nature to you. Yep. Exactly. Alrighty. Our quotes of the week. All right. Alrighty. I'll go first. True spiritual... Let me go back and like try to talk. True spiritual worship will cause God Almighty to come and sit with you. For he is enthroned in the midst of your praises. Um, by Joseph L. Garlington. I love that. Like he'll... I think it's just so intimate. Like worship is supposed to be an intimate moment not even a moment, it should be a lifestyle, but um, intimacy with you and the Lord and that true spiritual worship that God will, I love, he is in, come and sit with you because he is enthroned in the midst of your praises. I think there's, there's a time when uh, if you're married or even if you ever dated, it's that there, there's a first date, right? Mm-hmm. And there's that first taking them out to dinner. Right. And in that dinner, you're like, you're sitting apart from one another, and you're a little bit nervous, and you're a little bit scared, but you're like hanging on each other's words. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so focused on just, you know, that conversation. And it's, yeah. I, I don't think any other, I'm a, I may stretch it here, but I don't know if any other conversation after that is as intense as that first one. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that should be our relationship with God. It's that it's that yeah. focus and that that intensity, mm-hmm. and I agree. and so we got to we got to keep them on, on our hearts and minds. Now look, I have uh, I have the book uh, Praise Praise Habit: Finding God in Sunsets oh, and Sushi by David Crowder. Okay, and I'm just gonna read like a little passage of it. I hope this isn't, but these I, I was reading this and I'm saying, oh my god, these guys blew me away. I just wanted to share that with you. Yeah. Okay, it said in the article. Fly on the wall. Dallas Willard, Larry Crabb, and John Ortberg are talking through how spiritual formation actually happens. I would have loved to have been there. Yeah. I'd have loved to have fly on the wall. And I guess we are kind of just reading this. Ortberg starts quoting from Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy, where Willard unpacks Kingdom of Heaven. Midway through the conversation, Ortberg says, But to think about the use of heavens in Scripture as the sphere in which God is present, which means right here. So to look at the prayer as saying, my father, who loves me intently and has and has my best interest at heart, is all around me. My father, who is closer than the air I breathe, 
and then that becomes a thought. And there is something about thoughts to me where they, they get stale. Dallas Willard says they get very stale. And then Larry Crabb says new language helps personal vernacular. And then John Orberg pipes up again. He says, yep, just the right word to take something familiar like our Father who art in heaven and say our Father who is closer than the air I breathe. My mind can run with that a little bit. And eventually that gets stale. And I have to keep thinking uh, out over and over. But it helps. The process of putting in new words never gets done. Uh, and so I, I, I just fascinated with that. Number one, those, those three guys are amazing, all of them. But they, it kind of reminds us and, and helps us to like think about like, uh, let's not get stale in our in our worship. Let's yeah. not get stale in, in in our prayer life, and let's not get stale in our relationship. And and so just keep looking for new ways to praise God and, and worship Him. And I think that's that's key to keeping your relationship fresh. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's good. Alrighty, our songs of the week. Songs of the week. Okay, listeners, you're going to really love this because I'll go ahead and say John and I's songs are from the same album. All right. Um, so, uh, Brooke Ligertwood, she is one of the main worship leaders of Hillsong Worship, came out with a new album. And I just would like to say, I've listened to the whole thing multiple times, and um, it is straight fire. I remember I it came out on Friday, and I texted Several people, I think, even commented on a post on yours because you posted your uh, song. Yes. And I said, the whole album is straight fire. I texted my mom, <laughs> listen to it, it's straight fire. <laughs> and because uh, she had like released two um, singles from it. And I was already like, man, this is really good. And then, like, I listened to it and I'm like, whoa, this is. She is an, a phenomenal songwriter. Yeah. She is one of my favorite songwriters. Like, if you. If you're wondering, man, I've heard that um, uh, I am who or who you say I am. Uh-huh. A beautiful, what a beautiful name is yeah. her. Um, she has another song called New Wine that I love. Yeah. Like, anyways, uh, so I feel like I'm missing another one. But like most of the big Hillsong songs that have come out in the past several years has been her. She's really kind of. It started oh, to King get, of Kings. Yeah, it, it started to get where like. Hillsong United and the like the even the younger uh, young and what young is it and young and free was coming out with more stuff and you got the Hillsong worship kind of got just kind of started fading and she really she reignited really, that yes she did um so this is like her first album by herself that's come out um I think she, since she's been married honestly like I knew some of like her older stuff when she went by her maiden name but um and it was more like kind of like indie worship but now anyways so um i my song this week is the first song on the album because i just could not get past it i had to listen to this song multiple times and then i went on to the rest of it but it's called ancient gates um and so it says there is singing at the ancient gates there's a melody of ceaseless praise age to age the sound is only growing stronger there's a throne beneath the name of names there is seated on it one who reigns and his kingdom now is here and getting closer so praise him like we're in the glory here and now he's just as holy jesus he's so worthy of it all then um i love i love verse two i just got to read that too he exists in everlasting life in light 
So on heaven's streets there is no night. Every tear is wiped away. We'll know no sorrow. Yet worship him with joyful sound. Oh, sing until your voice gives out. No matter where or who's around, release your worship. Mm -hmm. And then I just and then it's um, the bridge is the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come, and it just repeats. And I love that. But I just love the chorus of praise him like we're there in glory, here and now he's just as holy. Jesus, he's so worthy of it all. Because, and I even mentioned this on Sunday because I was thinking of this song like to our congregation of like, um, don't wait um, till heaven to like, like she says, release your worship or like, you know, do it now. Like you, this is practice ground for like the amazingness of seeing him face to face in glory. And so like, I, I just love like praise him like we're there in glory. Um, here and now he's just as holy, you know? Um, man, I just, I love that idea of that, of like, you know, he's here now. Like he is, um, He's building his kingdom here, and one day we are going to get to, you know, forever and ever worship him face to face, but, like, he didn't just, like, take us on up when we came to right. We worship him here just as much, you know? Yeah. It's the, it's kind of like that concept that we, we both like, uh, that sermon that John did on Monday night, talking about uh, Mary when she anointed Jesus feet with that alabaster box it was a something that would have been reserved for death and I like that I, I can't get over the line that he used uh, smells like a dead man yeah and so he she didn't wait for him to die before she worshiped him and, and anointed him and so I like that it's not it's a it's a premeditated I'm not gonna wait till I'm dead I'm not gonna wait till heaven I'm gonna do it right now. Like he's he calling us to do it now. Yeah. Or like, um, you know, like we gotta give our all, just like she like poured out everything on Jesus' feet. Like literally, like if you think that worship in heaven, because we, I mean, like we get little glimpses of what heaven will be like in Revelation and what the worship is like and everything. But like, if you think it's just gonna be some quiet like. Gregorian chant like I think you're gonna yeah. be wrong and so like give your all like and I said like last week like don't let um denominational practices of worship get in the way of your worship like like give your all like because I don't think you're gonna be quiet and like barely singing when you see Jesus face to face it's gonna be crazy on your knees like I am you are so holy Lord and we can do that here and now and that's what, like, I, I just love, love that song. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Mom was from the same album. She sings with uh, Brandon Lake. Our boy Brandon Lake. Brandon Lake. <laughs> he heard she was doing an album. I heard she's singing. <laughs> she's in the studio. Brandon Lake shows up. <laughs> the, the neat thing about this is I, listen, I watched the, uh, the video of how it was, they talked about how it was made, and God kind of put the idea of honey and the rock on both of their minds. And so when they came together, it was a natural extension of what they God was already doing in their lives. The chorus, it starts out with a chorus, which is kind of unique, and it says there's, there's honey in the rock, water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go, I don't need to worry. Now that I know, everything I need you've got, there's honey in the rock. What a cool... 
That's a cool course, cool thing to keep on. Verse 1, praying for a miracle, thirsty for the living well, only you can satisfy. Sweetness at the mercy seat, now I've tasted it, it's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy, there's honey in the rock. Verse 2 says, freedom where the spirit is, bounding in the wilderness, You're all, you always satisfy. There's honey in the rock, water in the stone, man on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry, now that I know, everything I need, you've got. And it repeats that. Uh, again, the bridge is, I keep looking, I keep finding. You keep giving, keep providing. I have all that I need. You're all that I need. I keep praying, you keep moving. I keep praising, you keep pro proving. I have all that I need. You're all that I need. I keep looking, I keep finding. You keep giving, keep providing. I have all I need. You're all that I need. And then it keeps going, goes back into the, the chorus. I think that... That's awesome. I think we need to be re reminded about that. Where biblically, when they had a need, God provided whether it was honey from the rock, water from the stone, or manna on the ground. Those those are examples of miracles where God's provided for His people, and we need to keep remembering that He still provides. And when we talked about last night, I think it was after you left. It's the idea that it's harder for. Uh, a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because they start relying on their resources and their abundance rather than relying on God. And and sometimes I think that's where we are. We're relying on our resources and abundance. And, yeah. and you know, considering like the, the times of uncertainty that we read about, I don't think this is going to get any better. Right. Like, I don't think that things are going to change where we're not uncertain anymore. I think this... I hate to say the word new normal because that that may seem trite and uh, but I believe that we're in for continuing to see a, a rougher road ahead. Yeah. Man, so true. This song I've started calling because this is like probably my second favorite song after the my song um, from the album and I have started calling this, it's Gyra 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, different writers, but, like, still same concept. And, like, it's one that you, it just gets stuck in your head. And, like, um, it's also a song that, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, um, what I love about music is that it gets stuck in your head. And I always say it, sing it till you believe it. Yeah. And this is one of those songs. And, like, this week, like, the, you know, like, the Lord, like, provided like for me and like I immediately like went to this song and it was just like like it's a song that you can just like move to you know right. <laughs> and I just can't help but move um because like you are all that I need like oh I just love it it's so good I think it I don't know it kind of reminds me of the greatest of faithfulness like the hymn yeah that's what I get from that you know it, you know morning by morning new mercies I see we need to get to that we need to find the we need to get back to Seeking God for our every need. Yeah. And not just for like a 911 call or emergency situation, but getting back to putting God first in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a whole genre, I feel like, with the grace of faithfulness and like, yeah. that's like my go-to. Man, I need to make a playlist on Spotify with all those. <laughs> my go-to is when like something, you know, like God... You need God to provide. You need to be reminded of his faithfulness and his promises. Mm -hmm. Boom, here are some songs. I'm going to do that. Yeah.
That's awesome. That, that yeah. is a good idea. You mm -hmm. should do that. I will. You should. I will. All right. Do you have anything else for this week? I think that's it. Um, man, it's just been a good week, and um, especially with that whole album. So go and listen to that album. It's called Seven by Brooke Ligertwood. Yeah. If you want to hear these two awesome songs, plus some more really good songs. Yeah, and, and tell us what songs inspire you. Comment on the Facebook page, Instagram, however you're listening to us. Message us. Yes. And tell us, uh, tell us what gets you through.